Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. title my sermon this morning, Things I Need to Remember About Christmas, because it can get quite busy, and I can easily forget the very presence of God. And uh, so I want to uh, just remind myself, uh, as I think about Christmas, what is something new uh, that I can bring to you? I've been uh, studying the scriptures since 1989. I've probably preached about city Christmas messages. Um, I've preached on the angels and and the innkeeper and Mary and Joseph, uh, the wise men. I've even preached on the star uh, and King Herod. But I want to ask myself, how do I fill this blank space on what is the reason for the season? It's a catchphrase. What is the reason for the season? Well, try and fill it in mentally uh, this morning. For the kids, it could be Santa. Could we repeat a couple of days ago in our gifts, please, or just yesterday? For others, Christophides, can you hurry up because it's Boxing Day and I don't want to miss out on the specials. Don't worry, your dream will come true. Uh, Perhaps it's, um, you know, kind of ate too much. And uh, now the diet begins. But it's obvious that as we gather here this morning that Jesus is the reason for the season. But we can often miss it because of the busyness and the build-up toward Christmas. Somebody uh, who was interviewing some shoppers uh, at Christmas time, uh, the way we have busy shopping times here in, in Perth and all over our country and all over the world, I suppose. It's, um, it's a big commercial success in most countries. And this interviewer was out in the streets asking people what uh, is the purpose or the meaning of Christmas. And he asked this one lady, what does Christmas mean to you? And uh, laughingly she responded, she says, I don't know, is that the day that Jesus died? And, uh, you know, we think that's funny, but in some cases that can be a mild truth that Jesus does die on Christmas Day because he is non-existent in people's lives. And so, although he is alive for you and for me and his birth uh, means something extremely uh, profound, it could also uh, mean that he, it's the day that Jesus died. I'm not going to read the passage again uh, that was read, but I want to share with you a a couple of stories or points on uh, this Christmas story. I think the first one is that Jesus came as a surprise. We often think that it is, you know, humanity that took the initiative, but it's not. It was God's plan. It was God's idea. Um, You know, as Anthony mentioned, uh, and as Pam reminded us again, that Uh, you know, it it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about the one uh, who uh, was born uh, in a miraculous way 
uh, and comes as a surprise to you and to me. It, it is about uh, this one who, uh, when word was given between Mary and Joseph, it was no formal contract. Uh, it was word, logos, was given. Uh, and so uh, she would be among Joseph's family for about a year. Uh, we know that we live in uh, those days, um, we lived in a very patriarchal society. And, and so as uh, they begin to, to get ready for marriage, she uh, is found pregnant under the home of his family. Shame upon shame. And a word has been given. Now, folk, um, uh, you know, when my parents got, got married, it wasn't this big legal contract. It was word is given. Word is given. Uh, the two of them get together. The two families get together. The patriarchs of those two families sit one side and say, listen, what do you think about this? And they say, no, I think they could, could work out. And they shake hands and word is exchanged. And here it comes as a big surprise after word is exchanged in the leading up to marriage, she is found pregnant. I mean, that would have been the biggest shame. Uh, my, uh, my mother's brother, my uncle Angelo, who's still alive, uh, was promised to this young lady back in the village in Cyprus, Cyprus in the city of Paphos. And so uh, he came back from school. He was 16. This lady was about 20, but they were very wealthy. And because they grew up in a, in a very poor uh, village, uh, it would have been a good idea to give my uncle a good future, so my grandfather thought. And here he goes ahead and he gives word. And when my uncle comes home, Uncle Angelo is told that he will be marrying the neighbor's daughter. Uh, she wasn't the best looking. Um, she wasn't attractive. But word had been given. And so what my uncle does is goes, I'm out of here. And he flees and uh, goes to the next village uh, to an aunt that he knew there. They kept him for a while. And he'd arranged uh, to, to get out of Cyprus and went to South Africa about 60 years ago and has not been back to Cyprus because of the shame that he put on his family by breaking his father's word. My uncle got married. This lady got married. Um, uh, they've had children. They've had grandchildren. Uh, but the word and the shame that was bro that's connected to that is still very real. You see, Joseph could have actually just... Uh, carried on in the shame uh, of Mary. And he had a couple of choices. He could have married her, um, but he would have been labeled as stupid. Uh, he could have ignored the situation, uh, go, no, oh, you know what, just for the sake of keeping um, the family name and not embarrassing the rest of my family, let me just ignore it. Hopefully it'll go away. He could have uh, shamed her in public and uh, brought her out uh, in the marketplace. And as uh, one of the traditions could have been that she would have been stoned because of her unfaithfulness, or he could have divorced her, as we heard. But in verse 20, we read that an angel appears to him, an absolute surprise, totally countercultural. An angel appears and says to him, Fear not, because this is not a human initiative. This is uh, what God has initiated. And 
Not only has he initiated this, but this child will save the people from their sins. Now that is huge. And so uh, even today, uh, Jesus shows up uh, in very surprising ways in your life and in my life. You know, we, we can, um, if we look for Jesus, we will find him. And it could be a surprise for some, and it could be a shame for others. And, and, and so, you know, some people say, well, you know, as I got into this parking lot, I prayed that Jesus would give me a parking right near the door. Uh, and you know what? He answered my prayer, and he gave me a parking spot right there. Uh, for me, uh, I normally get the parking spot right in the back because I'm fat and I need to walk uh, to the door. And so the Lord answers my prayer that way as well. But if we look for God, we will find him because he comes in the unexpected ways and surprises us. We struggle to have a son. And just when we said we're going to adopt, God came through and allowed Maria to fall pregnant. Uh, and so God is a God of surprises, and he surprised that community 2,000 years ago through the birth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe this uh, Christmas time, if we look for God, we will find him. Because that's exactly what we need. If our greatest need, somebody wrote, had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. God sent us a savior. He surprised us in an unexpected manner by sending a child. Secondly, the birth of Jesus is supernatural. It is miraculous. It is supernatural. We read in verse 20, but after he had considered this, talking about Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Uh, you know, uh, Anthony mentioned the words fear not uh, that appear so many times in Scripture. Um, I, I read recently that it appears 366 times. In other words, every single day, fear not, and for leap year, fear not. God is a God that says, fear not. Why? Because I'm a God of surprises, but I'm also a God that intervenes in a supernatural manner. So fear not. And he says in this amazing way, um, Mary, uh, your wife, uh, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's chapter 1, verse 20 of Matthew. And the word conceived is such a beautiful Greek word. It's a Greek word, yenau, where we get the English word genesis. And genesis has got to do with creation. And so Mary, um, yenau, uh, the little baby by the Holy Spirit. And that word means to cause to happen. God spoke creation into being. He, he allowed creation to come to pass. He allowed, in a very supernatural manner, the Son of God, to come and dwell among us. And so we know that Jesus is not like the rest of us. He is here supernatural. As I mentioned last week, that you know, in every other religion, people have to climb up the mountain, as it were, to get to uh, their creator, to get to their, the one that they worship. In Christianity, the only religion in the world, it is God who comes down the mountain to you and to me. He came as a baby. Not only surprisingly, but in a supernatural way. And why does he do that? Because we need him. We need him. We need him badly. 
um, Donald McLeod says this, the virgin birth is posted on guard at the door of the mystery of Christmas, and none of us must think of hurrying past it. It stands on the threshold of the New Testament, blatantly supernatural, defying our rationalism, informing us that all that follows belongs to the same order as itself, and that if we find it offensive, there is no point in proceeding any further. It is offensive. The gospel is offensive to those who don't believe. But when you understand who uh, God is and how he longs to uh, come and penetrate your life and my life, so we begin to see how supernatural it is. Uh, great theologian Wayne Grudem says it this way, God in his wisdom ordained a combination of human and divine influence in the birth of Christ so that his full humanity would be evident to us from the fact of his ordinary human birth, from a human mother, and his full deity would be evident from the fact of his conception in Mary's womb by the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Not only is it a surprise, it is also supernatural. God took that initiative and did the impossible and brings about salvation to you and to me. Thirdly, Jesus' birth is shocking. It's shocking because we read that uh, it will be God with us. We read in verses 22 and 23, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Folks, that was prophesied, not fortune told, prophesied because thus says God. That's what a prophet says. And that was prophesied in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 14, 740 years before the birth of Jesus. God allows the prophet to speak. Why? Because God is involved in all of this. And it's absolutely shocking because God comes and dwells with you and with me. It means that Jesus is God with us and he swims in Mary's amniotic fluid, somebody wrote, wiggles in the manger's straw, feeds the hungry and heals the sick. Jesus is God with us as he takes the bread in his hands and says, this is my body broken for you. Jesus is God with us as he hangs from a cross, grasping breath and shouting, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He descends into our messy world, standing in solidarity with human sufferers, plunging ever deeper into our pain and apparent abandonment. I read an article this week where uh, the manger was actually made out of stone, pure stone. And they say that the baby Jesus was put in that manger that was made of pure stone because when a farmer... Uh, when a farmer went and found an unblemished lamb, a perfect lamb, he would keep that lamb, put it in this little manger in case it got damaged, and put it in this solid stone manger or trough so the sheep would not stand over it or break its leg because it was perfect. And that was almost a forecast of what would happen to Jesus, the perfect Son of God, put in the stone because of what was to happen in the future. Again, uh, as I mentioned last week, some people said, well, it was a mistake 
It was never intended that Jesus goes to the cross. Uh, no wonder he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What nonsense. What nonsense. It was planned many years before that, many centuries before that. It was also uh, that God intended it to be the unblemished Son of God, the perfect Son of God. And so we know that it is shocking. Back then, Greeks were um, philosophers, as they still think they are today. Lo and behold, the rude awakening, they are far from that. Um, and, and here is uh, the, the, the philosophical mind that says, how can a human with flesh be divine? How can a human with flesh be divine? And that's the shocking element of all of this. You know, other religions believe that Jesus is a good prophet, but he can't, uh, the, 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 the certain religions can't comprehend that God would become small, tiny, and weak. But he had to become that for you and for me. You see, they can't understand this nativity story. They can't understand that, that God comes down to dwell with us, that it is Emmanuel, God with us. And folk, he longs to be with us. He longs to dwell with us. And that is shocking to the mind because God wants to be with me and he wants to be with you. And he longs to, if I'm driving in my car, to be with me, to commune with me. And as I commune with him, you know, so we are happy together. And he longs for that. And that's shocking because, you know, uh, in the silence, he wants to come and penetrate our heart. No wonder we read in Hebrews 2.17, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. In other words, from a human perspective, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Therefore, he had to be made. He had to be made. That word of philo means it was almost owed to us that he would come and set us free. There was a debt that needed to be paid, that which was due to set you and I free. That's shocking because the world wants to bind us, but here God wants to set us free and come and dwell among us. In Psalm 22 verse 1 uh, there is a commentary that says, here's the point. God himself has felt what we feel in the incarnation. He chose not to stay completely other. He got down at eye level, and in the incarnation, God experienced what it's like to be tired and discouraged. He knows what it's like to be hurt and to bleed. On the cross, Jesus himself prayed a psalm of lament. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. And so if you're sitting here this morning, and you think, God has no idea what I'm going through. If you have that pain in your heart, and you think that God has no idea what you're going through, well, let me remind you, you know, that He knows exactly where we're hurting. He knows our pain. He knows our, our sorrow. In fact, Jesus can say, hey, look, same, same. I suffered on a cross. I've entered this world, and I know how you feel. I didn't book in at the Perth Hyatt. No, I came and dwelt among you. I put up my tent, uh, you know, in your street, and I know exactly 
what you're going through. And I want to suggest to you that's what Christmas is all about. And then in closing, Jesus' birth means that he is Savior. And we read that in verse 21. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. She'll bear a son, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. That word save means uh, he will uh, keep them safe and sound. He will rescue us from destruction. He will uh, allow us to persevere even when the heat is turned up. He will deliver us from judgment. And that's what he does for you and for me. He saves us. You know, uh, he is the solution to our sin problem because that was his intention in the very first place. In 1989, my first year at Bible college, after spending two years in the army, uh, I had the privilege of going to study the Word of God. And uh, we had to do deputation those days, and I was the designated driver uh, to take the deputation team. And we drove up from Johannesburg, drove up uh, into Zimbabwe, and we visited the churches there, and there were groups of people who would sing. Um, and uh, the one night we got to a place quite late, uh, and so we threw, we had a house that about 15 of us lived in, and we threw our stuff down, and we had to go and do this church service, and we came uh, back, and then early in the morning, there was a knock at the door, and uh, I went to go and open it, it was um, this African man, his name is Sam, uh, and so Sam was there, and uh, he said, I've come to sort the place out, and, and I said, Sam, it looks terrible, the house is in a mess, uh, it was a little bit embarrassing, uh, but Sam came, and we had our suitcases all over the place. Uh, ladies had their curling irons all over the place. Uh, crumpled clothing sprawled all over the rooms, unmade beds, uh, wet towels everywhere uh, on the bathroom floor. And, and I said to him, I said, Sam, you know what? It looks terrible. And he said to me, he said, sir, that's the reason I've come, to sort out the mess. The reason he came was to sort out your mess and to sort out my mess. That's his mission. That's his intention. He came for you and he came for me. He's God with us, the one who comes to dwell with us. You know the story about Bono, the lead singer for U2, returned from Dublin and attended a Christmas Eve service and uh, at some point in that service, Bono grasped the truth at the heart of the Christmas story, that in Jesus, God became a human being. With tears streaming down his face, he wrote, the idea that God, if there is a force of love and logic in the universe, that it would seek to explain itself is amazing enough. That it would seek to explain itself by becoming a child born in poverty and straw, a child that just thought itself by becoming a Sorry, wow, just the poetry. I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn on this. Love needs to find a form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or, or something concrete. He says it would happen. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. And folk, he comes for you and for me. A.J. Gordon, that great Baptist pastor, 
in the Baptist church in Boston, wrote this. One day he met a young boy in front of the sanctuary carrying a rusty cage in which several birds fluttered nervously. Gordon inquired, son, where did you get those birds? Boy replied, I trapped them out in the field. What are you going to do with them? Gordon asked. Going to play with them? Then I guess I'll just feed them to an old cat we have at home. When Gordon offered to buy them, the lad exclaimed, Mister, you don't want them. They're just little old wild birds and can't sing very well. Gordon replied, I'll give you two dollars for the cage and the birds. Okay, it's a deal. But you're making a bad bargain, sir. The exchange was made and the boy went away whistling happy with his shiny coins. Gordon walked around to the back of the church uh, church property, opened the door of the small wire coop and let the struggling creatures soar into the blue. The next Sunday, he took the empty cage into the pulpit and used it to illustrate his sermon about Christ's coming to seek and to save the lost, paying for them with his own precious blood. That boy told me the birds were not songsters, said Gordon, but when I released them and they winged their way heavenward, it seemed to me they were singing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. And so, question I asked, what is the reason for the season for you? I hope we can say that it is the Lord Jesus Christ, that he came to dwell among us and to set us free. And free we are indeed. And we too, like those birds, are set free to to be able to proclaim redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by His grace and by His mercy. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word to our hearts. Thank You, Lord, that it's not by might nor by power, but only by Your Holy Spirit that we are able to understand this miraculous activity that took place, this miraculous reality that You came to dwell among us. So, Lord, even the day after Christmas, with all the bustle and hustle, hustle and bustle all around us, we pray, Lord, that we will all never forget that you came and you long, you desire to come and dwell with us. Help us to fathom that, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name.